I needed even more prayer, right, uh, uh, Shirley? <laughs> um, it is one of those things, inevitable technology is going to beat us one day. But until then, <laughs> we will use it. Well, glad to be back. Amen. Glad to be back and sharing with you. Um, it is uh, quite um, uh, a great week that we had in Puerto Rico. We will talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, I have a question for you that I want you to answer in less than 30 seconds. Yes. All right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take less than that. What is the mission? Our mission. That was way too fast. That, 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 sounds, that sounds great. I love it because that's what we did. But, again, consider the question one more time. This is the one that you have learned. But what is our mission as followers of Christ? Ah, you see, just a little change in, 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 in the question then uh, leads us in a different way. Now, I, I know that there are many answers to that. We just have to be disciples, to be followers, to, to follow the leader. Uh, but I want to highlight one answer that may be uh, a, a good place for us to go as we formulate that idea of us followers of Christ and we continue to do that in our journey of life we're going to read in Matthew and uh, please pay special attention to the first verse that we'll uh, be reading it'll be Matthew 4 uh, chapter 19 I mean verse uh, 19 to 23 Right? Again, pay special attention to the first verse. Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. We've heard that a little different, right? But that's why I, I wanted you to pay attention. And we will make, and I will make you fish for people. Now immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James and son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee and mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. <clears throat> And we read in verse 23. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. All right? Let's pray for a minute. Father, again, we place ourselves in your hands. We come to this place and we desire your spirit. To speak to our hearts. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now you heard that first verse right? I want to ask you. Which verb stands out for you? And I will repeat it okay? This is what he said. And he said to them. 
follow me and I will make you fish for people. Which verb stands out to you? Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Okay. So who went for the fishing? Just one. Okay, Jan. All right. Who went for the follow? Okay, several people. And I heard at least one. Make. Make. Right? It's interesting that fishing, which is the verb where normally most people will go, if you're an evangelical or from that tradition, the fishing part is one that catches our imagination. Because there's some people that like to fish. Right? I don't like to fish. And I'll tell you why. I usually find myself doing this for hours and hours and bringing rocks rather than anything living. So I, I, I don't necessarily like fishing. The, the other thing about fishing is that it has this intention behind it. It's like you're going to catch something, right? And you are going to use that somehow. For those who went for the fishing, which is not many, the NRS version, NRSV version that we just read says fish for. NIV says fishers of men. But this one renders it fish for. I thought that was really interesting. Now, who went for the follow me part? Who was it? Okay, a few others did the following part. And I think that that is important for us to focus on. Because the calling is for us to follow. Right? The calling is not for us to be fishers. The calling is for us to follow. And what will happen is then we will be what? We'll be made. So this is one of the things that I really, um, I, I, I think is, even though it sounds silly, I mean, we've heard this 20,000 times, haven't we? Thousand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 19,000 I mean we've heard this all the time but the calling continues to be the same to follow now Rhonda a couple weeks ago defined the word called right and she said it was allowing our daily life to become did I get that right? yep you see, I heard it. <laughs> Allowing ourselves to become. Opening of ourselves. Opening of the hearts to see what God has in mind. 
allowing ourselves to become what God intends for us. Amen. And what is that? To be saints. She talked about that, right? To be saints. To be servants. To be the body of Christ. To be fishermen or fisherwomen. Ermanelli's better fisher person than I am. But this is what I'd like to propose for you. Being called is an invitation that suggests that we take the step to allow our daily lives to become followers of Christ. I know it's a convoluted way of getting to the same thing. Right? I just added a few more words to make it confusing. I'll repeat it. Being called is an invitation that suggests that we take the step. Take the step. Take the step. Now Jesus said that he would make us fish for people. In other words, I think that what he is saying is that he will take care of the next steps. We may take the first step and he will take care of the next steps in our journey. Now, as I mentioned, in evangelical circles, the fishing part becomes the matter of catching, right? And not releasing. Catching. <laughs> catching. I want to catch... We want to have fish. We want to have the pews full of fish. Right? Yes. And then we, we throw in that idea of the net. Right? When Peter throws the net and he catches nothing and Jesus says, throw it to the other side. And guess what? Peter catches all kinds of fish. The focus there becomes that we must be the ones Making converts, right? Yeah. Making people to come into church and making members for the church. And that's not only the evangelical focus. All churches, as a matter of fact, have that element into their mission. We want to have this church full. I like to have it full. Don't you? Yes. Why? I feel better. <laughs> it's because of me, truly. I would feel better if there was more people in here. Right? But is that what the purpose of God? What if our focus was instead to become better followers. Amen. What if our focus was in Jesus? <clears throat> what if our focus was to ask Jesus to transform us, to make us what He wants us to be? <laughs> that was the challenge for me this week. And as I was working on, on, on this, I also had the issue of our mission trip to Puerto Rico in mind. 
And this mission trip, of course, gave us an opportunity to participate in something that some of us had an idea of what it was going to be, but no one really did. Right, David? No. We were going to a place and we really didn't know what was going to go on and happen, but we took one step. And that step led us to discovery. So I'd like to start with some slides that i like to present to you. So if you can move that. Um, you see, this is the little island that we went to. And perhaps you can see that line in the middle of the island. Do you see that? Yes. That's the path of the hurricane. Not yet. Come back. The back one. There you go. Can we dim the lights? Right? Yeah, we can, we can dim the lights a little bit. So, yeah, maybe you can see that there's a little angle on the line, right? Yeah. That angle happens to be in Caguas. I don't know why it's starting automatically, but can you go back for a second? <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. That's my bad. That's me. I did that. All right. Uh, we were probably about three miles west of that corner there. Wow. All right, that's where we stayed. It was called Barranquitas. Now you can let it go, let it go. <laughs> go <ahead. laughs> All right. Now let's see this, this video and watch it. El 20 de septiembre de 2017 marcó la vida de todos los que vivimos en la tierra de Borinquen. Una semana antes nos había visitado el huracán Irma, ocasionando daños e impactando gravemente algunos municipios. Pensamos que todo había culminado con Irma, pero María nos sorprendió con gran fuerza y crudeza. Se sintieron vientos de 155 millas por hora, alcanzando una categoría 4, pero en muchos lugares se sintió como un huracán de categoría 5. Todo Puerto Rico quedó a oscuras. Las comunicaciones estaban imposibles. No había señal de teléfonos móviles ni internet. Solo una emisora de radio quedó en pie, ya que el resto de las emisoras de radio y televisión quedaron afectadas con sus antenas totalmente destruidas. El temor por no saber de familiares y amigos arropó el corazón de los puertorriqueños. Se derramaron muchas lágrimas al ver casas y edificios destruidos. Fue muy desolador ver parte de, del techo eh, fuera, ¿no? Eh, había volado eh, con el viento. Fue algo bien, bien desolador y bien triste. Diciéndolo en este momento, se me conmueve el alma eh, al ver los destrozos que había. De que mi esposo tiene que bajarse del carro, tiene que eh, sacar el machete, nosotros ¿verdad? nos bajamos, que podemos mover, que podemos hacer, pero en la medida en que nos, vamos, que nos bajamos a, a movernos, a sacar. 
Cal Ramos y, y a tratar de ayudar. Asimismo, otras personas de otros carros comienzan a salir y se hizo todo un equipo para, para poder mover todos aquellos árboles eh, con mucha cautela porque habían cables. Así que, aunque removimos, eh, fue con dificultad, pero se necesitó bastante gente para, para ayudar porque estaba muy, muy afectado. Así que, cuando logramos llegar a la entrada de nuestra iglesia, vimos que el terreno había erosionado. Así. No tuve que llegar eh, estrictamente al templo, dado a que la montaña eh, ¿verdad? Eh, había quedado sin, sin follaje, sin, sin ramas y eso, desde la distancia pude ver cómo el techo de la iglesia se había perdido ¿verdad? Eh, prácticamente en su totalidad. Puerto Rico was devastated by Hurricane María. Many of our congregations, nearly 90, suffered damages in their infrastructure, and Camp Morton and Centro Cristiano were also hit. Our first estimate of damages at Camp Morton was $600,000. Professional assessment now says it's over $5 million losses in Camp Morton alone. Many of our churches did not have the resources to begin operating. Insurance brokers were very slow in responding. Puerto Rico fue azotado por María, pero esta no pudo derribar el espíritu resiliente del pueblo puertorriqueño. Aún con temor y con lágrimas ante las pérdidas, nuestra gente se dedicó a levantar escombros, a atravesar obstáculos para llegar hasta otras personas que también estaban en necesidad. La Iglesia Cristiana Discípulos de Cristo en Puerto Rico había comenzado una campaña de orientación antes del impacto del huracán María. Se compartieron altares familiares para que las personas y las familias oraran y adoraran a Dios mientras pasaba el huracán. Se orientó a las iglesias sobre medidas de precaución y seguridad que debían tomar en sus hogares y en los templos. Luego del impacto del huracán Irma, el Centro Cristiano y nuestra congregación en Ponce se habían convertido en centros de acopio para recibir artículos de primera necesidad. Esta ayuda era destinada para los damnificados de este huracán en las Islas Vírgenes, pero los puertos fueron cerrados ante el aviso del huracán María y no pudieron ser enviados. Tan pronto pasó el huracán María, estas provisiones se distribuyeron a las iglesias para ayudar a los damnificados de María. Había bastante trabajo que hacer, pero al rato de nosotros llegar, llegan otros hermanos de nuestra iglesia y cuando llegan, pues pudimos coordinar en ese momento, el sábado nos encontramos para, para limpiar. Ante la intensidad del momento no hubo como que mucho tiempo para detenerse y, y, para, y para llorar, sino que lo que quería era rápido llegar y tratar de salvar lo más que se pudiese salvar. Así que había mucha, mucha energía y mucha fuerza. Dios mío, yo estoy tan agradecida porque tengo que decir que es semanal. A mí me llamaban para buscar ¿verdad? alimentos, agua, absolutamente de todo. Y no solamente para nuestra iglesia, que se suplió y poder llegar a distintos barrios y comunidades de, de nuestra iglesia, sino que nosotros pudimos suplirle a otras iglesias. Ellos no tenían agua, llevamos botellones de agua para lavar cabezas, recortar, así que ahí se recortaron, almorzamos juntos y fuimos una sola iglesia. Las 
comunidad de Matón arriba y Matón abajo estaban utilizando el agua del río para poder, para poder lavar sus ropitas allá a mano, bañarse absolutamente todo. Así que tenemos dos familias que llegaban de ese barrio en Matón. Así que pudimos identificarlos, llegar y nosotros pues ir a compartir con ellos, filtrar el agua, la filtrábamos por, por drones para saber, ¿verdad? Esta comunidad va a tener por esta semana abastecimiento para bañarse, para cocinar. Era vital esos filtros. Ese era el momento que había que entregar el cajas de agua y había que entregar el filtro y ayudar a, a filtrar, orientarles cuál era el funcionamiento. Y una vez estuvieran orientados, iban entonces a poder hacer, hacer bien el proceso. Nosotros llegamos a esa comunidad y seguimos repartiendo almuerzos y que salía tanta gente, ¿verdad? Entre las cosas que le decía que habían comunidades, pues, que, que dos y tres familias viviendo en el mismo lugar, porque lo habían perdido todo, sale este hermano eh, donde se tocó la puerta para llegar y él sale y, y, y le dimos de compra, le dimos absolutamente todo. Pero en el momento en que vamos a orar por él, porque cada vez que visitamos algún área, orábamos, él dijo, no, no, yo quiero orar por ustedes. Un día, pues... Recogiendo un poquito de, de, de los estragos, ¿verdad?, de María, pues baja este grupo, ¿verdad?, con, con la pastora Shelly, ¿verdad?, la congregación, los jóvenes, había más jóvenes y niños, ¿verdad?, y ellos se detienen. Y sobre todo, me impactó algo, fue el amor que sentí de parte de la pastora y de parte de los jóvenes y de parte, ¿verdad?, de toda la congregación que llegó a mi barrio, ¿verdad?, y eso marcó mi vida. Él es bombero, tiene una estación eh, voces de Sinai que eh, se comunicaba de lo poquito que había en comunicación con esa área, tal vez ninguna, solo él. Este hermano fueron eh, vital para nosotros. Eh, les conocimos en ese momento, llegan al par de meses a nuestra iglesia, producto de ese impacto misionero que pudimos llegar para llevar al abastecimiento. So we wanted to create an emergency fund to assist our congregations. Recibir al pastor, y, y, y lo digo, eso fue lo primero, ¿verdad? Que empezamos a recibir de nivel central su visita, su presencia allí, cuando sabíamos que era bien difícil el acceso. Anticipábamos que quizás él tenía muchas otras cosas que, que hacer y atender, pero su visita, su presencia, su acompañamiento, sus palabras, fue algo eh, muy inspirado. Realmente sin la ayuda del Centro Cristiano de la Iglesia en su nivel central no hubiésemos podido hacerlo. Yo tengo que darle gracias al Pastor General, a todo el grupo, el equipo, nuestros pastores que fueron tan desprendidos para dar y compartir lo que ellos habían recibido y el Centro Cristiano darnos en todo momento. Y estamos muy agradecidos por haber recibido de parte de, de la Iglesia en Puerto Rico eh, a través de organizaciones de iglesia en Estados Unidos también, el apoyo que se recibió para esta situación de María. We called upon Church Extension, who has been our partner when we have needed them every single time. We called the president, Eric Reisinger, and he called us back and he had a plan to give the church in Puerto Rico a line of credit of one million dollars, no interest, so that churches could begin to operate again, fix what was an emergency, and when they received funds of uh, insurance, pay back. There is no way 
Baptist Church in Puerto Rico could have been back on his feet without that help. That economic help gave us something more than just resources. It gave us the certainty that God was doing things so that the church can bless the people of Puerto Rico. And I want to personally give my thanks to the Board of Church Extension for a gift that transcends the economic, that touches the spirit of a church and the people of Puerto Rico. When we most needed it, we were there. And we want to express that gratitude. God had not forsaken us. God was moving to help the church bless Puerto Rico. And those pastors had one less preoccupations, so they gave themselves completely to help the people in need in Puerto Rico. So that helped multiplied many times in blessings to the people of Puerto Rico who were in dire We want pension fund and the church in the United States and Canada to know how grateful we are, how moved we are, and that you really blessed our church when we most needed it. And we are now also willing to serve any which way we can. May God bless you very much. As, um, as you saw, there is a, quite a bit of destruction in the island. I have a question for you, though. What did you hear? What did you hear from the people that were speaking? Hope, gratitude. Hope, gratitude. Did you, did you hear what, what, what the fellow said? The one that had the radio station, the, the fire uh, uh, man. What did he say? He, he felt the love. He felt the love of a pastor and a bunch of youngsters and kids who comes to the barrio over there and see what people are needing to supply that need. So, isn't it interesting that as we step out to connect in the following way, we actually engage with others. Right? Just as Jesus went to Galilee and started to preach and connect with people, it happens that even in the face of a disaster, and I tell you, we heard from people, right David, that had been without power or water for six months. No power, no water. One of the fellows who was working in the team there for a year. One year. And still he's trying to fix his house. 
this is, uh, I, I think that the experience that we really had transcended what we expected, at least from my perspective. Because that's exactly what we found. I found people who were hopeful. I found people who engaged. They fished for people. They didn't fish people. Hello, you see the distinction here. They fished for people. They were out hunting to see who was out there and establish relationships and connections. And that's what congregations, people that are in Christ, are to do. I believe that's our mission. Now, you see this symbol here. This is the, the uh, Iglesia Cristiana Discípulos de Cristo de Puerto Rico. That's how the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is labeled there. You notice there's a little chalice on the side, which the cross is touching the other cross, which is laying across the island. And in this little island, there's 107 congregations. 107 congregations. In our region, we have 47. Five states. So you know there's quite a bit of Christian churches. Uh, uh, David and I uh, uh, were engaged in driving duty. <laughs> and he's so happy about it. <laughs> I'm sure he'll cheer about that. Now if we look at the, last, the next slide. Um, this is what some people were facing the day after the hurricane. Wow. I mean, your, 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 your roof is blown out. You have issues going left and right. And, and here are a, a, a bunch of folks from the United States, 30 of us, that come two and a half years after the event. Wow. Right? So they've, they've already experienced the disaster, not having power, not having anything, and here we are coming in. So if you look at the next slide, you'll see our posture, uh, po uh, what I call our, our posture as we went in, right? Mm -hmm. It was more like the, uh, the, the, the American visitors, right, the tourists mm -hmm. coming into, in, in, into the place. I mean, this camp was beautiful. But you could see the devastation. Uh, one of the mountain, uh, the hills along the, um, the, the, the camp slid down and about 12 feet of mud were covering the, the, the basketball court. So you couldn't see anything. Uh, so it was a big disaster. You probably saw the trees that were laid out on, on the video. A uh, bunch of pine trees that covered the hills that were gone. So the next day after we arrived, we went to uh, Iglesia Cristiana. So if you go to the next slide, Sierra Linda, and that's the facade of it. If you go to the next slide, you'll see um, what the congregation, what the, uh, uh, the church looks like. And to the right is Rafael, uh, his last name is Rivera. He was the pastor of this congregation, but he is also the director of the effort called Edifiquemos, build, to build up. 
right? Edifiquemos, which is the program that we were there to support. And uh, the next slide also shows um, the pulpit. Uh, Joanne, our regional minister, was there, and that's Pastor Rafael, and the one that had a bad hair day that day <laughs> was me. Now you know that when I go to wherever there's high humidity, that's what happens to our hair, right? I mean, there's no way you can control that. Um, and we, we, uh, if you go to the next slide, you'll see uh, part of the team that uh, first day after the church, we went, uh, it was raining, basically storming all day. Uh, but we had an opportunity to go uh, to an uh, island across where the Morro is. The Morro is the, the, the old fort you'll see in the, in the background there um, that the Spanish has for 500 years. So that's part of our team. There's 22 in that photo, but it was all uh, 30 all together. And on the left, you'll see a lady with a teal jacket. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To her right was Bonnie. Bonnie, uh, Dave, you would say she's in her 80, right? 70, 70, 78, 80. yeah. She's Puerto Rican. She was born in Puerto Rico, lived in Puerto Rico for 12 years on the west side of the coast, and had not been to the island since. Mm. And I discovered that over there. But she was. Um, looking for maduros, you know, plantains, uh, all throughout our, our trip. Now, if you go to the next slide, you'll see uh, the grounds of the camp. This is two and a half years later, almost. Uh, and you see all green, right? And it looks pretty. I don't see anything wrong with that place. <laughs> Actually, it looks really good. But you saw the devastation. Uh, that we experienced. And th the next slide also shows um, some of the people that we served. This is Jose and Elvia. That's one of the houses that we were um, uh, redoing the, the roof. Um, we were washing the, the, the roof and sealing it uh, so that the indoors would not be affected by uh, the range and we spent a couple of days there actually the first day David and I were at that site the next one is um, some more work and uh, I think you know this fella right and I'm going to ask David actually to come and share some of his impressions about what the trip was and meant for him Thanks, Ruben, for letting me do this. A uh, couple of things that I wanted to talk about. The first thing is the people. I, I really enjoyed meeting the folks in Puerto Rico. They, they're so loving, they're so full of joy, and Rafael was just such an excellent, excellent leader, and he he went out of his way to make sure that we were productive, but also that we got to see the sites, that we got to see old San Juan, 
uh, he made sure that, that we enjoyed ourselves as well. Um, he, he said to us to bring back the message that the people of, of Puerto Rico are strong, they are happy, and we experience their loving nature. Mm -hmm. uh, David mm -hmm. was, uh, and his crew were the people who ran Camp Morton, where we stayed. They kept us very well fed. I will always, when I think of Puerto Rico, I will think of roasted chicken, rice and beans. Oh, I was... And plantains. And plantains. <laughs> exactly, those are the things. And uh, just, they took such good care of us there. Uh, when we went to the headquarters, we spent a day at the headquarters. Uh, Miguel, uh, he said, call me Michael. Mm -hmm. Remember him? He was the one that was speaking about the Board of Church Extension. He was, he was so gracious to us. He took some time and had us all in his office and spoke to us. And I think it was the first time that 30 people were... Ever in his, in, in his office, yes. We were pretty much like this. But um, it was so nice of him to speak to us. And I came away feeling so good about the disciples of Christ. And you heard him talk about, you know, the million-dollar line of credit, interest-free, right? That's the kind of thing that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. When a disaster has occurred, you, you need to help people in situations like that. And I was so proud to hear that. And he spoke of the week of compassion being there. And, you know, our efforts, the things we contribute to, you got to hear those things in action. So I was so pleased to hear that. The last thing I want to say about the people, though, is that there is still some anxiety. You could, you could feel it. Raphael, Raphael expressed it in worship. Uh, I think it was a little bit raw because of the earthquakes, um, sort of piling on top of just coming out of this hurricane situation and now they're having earthquakes and and so because they are so happy and so good natured and so loving you don't really see the anxiety at first but you hang around a week mm -hmm. and you experience it um, there were at least six young men who worked with us on the projects. And they were employed, mm -hmm. right, by the camp or by the project, the pro yeah. the project itself, right, supplementing the, work, the camp staff. And I was not there when, when Alex was telling one of our, our folks this, but his family is considering getting a shipping container like a bunker, a storm shelter, right? Because they had such a bad experience that they want to be prepared if it happens again. Now that's anxiety, mm -hmm. right? When, you, when you're thinking about doing things like that. Uh, we went to the, the southern coast where the epicenter of the earthquakes are occurring and we saw people living in tents 
Um, some of their homes are inhabitable, but they don't want to go back in because they're afraid of, because the earthquakes come every day. The National Guardsmen that we met and prayed with, they said there had been one at 4 a.m. that morning. There had, the day before, there had been one at 6 p.m. They said every day, and they said the ground rolls. They said it's a shallow earthquake, and it really rolls. And we saw several buildings um, that had collapsed. We saw holes in the walls of schools. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's serious. So, I think... Um, Oh, the group that went, there were 30 of us. Uh, there was one gentleman from Casper, Wyoming. There were five people from Grand Junction. Uh, there was Joanne Bell Haynes, our regional minister, her, uh, her sister from Augusta, Georgia. And then the rest of the 30 was from the Denver metro area. It was really good to to meet all those folks and work alongside of them. And we were a pretty good team by the time it was done. So let's talk about a little bit about the work. You, you saw that we did some roofs, so we pressure washed and sealed the roofs on a couple of homes. But one thing that I would say we, we, we did the I guess the, the focus of our efforts ended up being the camp itself. And I was, I was really happy about that. When I think back on it now, I was really happy on that. Because you know what, what it meant. There were all of these people working the project. And you know what they spent their time doing? Working on other people's houses. Going out and helping families, right? And they hadn't had a lot of time to devote to their own place, right? To their camp. And when you, 30 people show up, we could do a lot of things at that camp, right? Because the work wasn't weather dependent. And, you know, we had a lot of people to throw at it. So the things we did at the camp, there was a lot of painting done. I didn't do any painting. Um, we put bunk beds together. I did help do that, and that was a real challenge. <laughs> the holes didn't line up. Had to go make lots of trips to the hardware store to, you know. It, yeah, so, but we got a lot of beds put together. We, we hauled tile. Um, we hauled tile one complete day, took it from the ground up to the roof so they could tile, so they could tile a room upstairs and you know those yeah they're young four young men six young men could have done that but it have taken them days you know whereas a fireman's line and, and us hauling these things up we got it done in like five hours awesome. so Amen. Uh, I think that's really the main things I wanted to say Reuben All right, cool. so thanks yeah. I, I told David that uh, I was going to show the picture where he was going to... But, but I didn't. No, no, I, I was just kidding. There's another slide that we'll see um, uh, here next. And uh, this is part of the, jo the, the job that uh, we're thinking. You see the bunk beds in the middle there. On the left, uh, the tile pile, there were like five stacks 
of, 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 of tiles that were halfway through the wall. So that's at the end of it. Uh, on the right, there was some electric work that, uh, uh, there's two people that were electricians in our team. Nice. So they were doing, putting some lights in, 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 in the place. Um, and the next uh, slide also has, uh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, tourists. <laughs> Notice the coffee, right? That, that, that was the most important part of the whole trip. Um, now, uh, on the middle there, you, you'll see, uh, I think her name was Kiani. Kiani, right, uh, David? I don't Kiani. She, she was the administrator of the camp uh, where we went to, to visit the people who had been displaced by the earthquakes. Uh, large tent uh, set up and we had an opportunity to pray with her and our regional minister Joanne did that when we were there and something that impacted me was that she was crying obviously with all the emotions of having to deal with administration of a camp for two weeks straight 24-7 and still having a family at home. Mm -hmm. So she was going through the pressure that Rafael is on, on, on her left and to the right, I think her name is Ivelisse. Ivelisse was a, a clinical psychologist that was leading us in that, in, in that part of our, our trip. Um, she is gathering people that can support uh, those who are anxious, who are dealing with what is happening over there uh, beyond what we can see. So they're doing some mental health support on that. And you go to the next uh, slide. It's going to finish here soon. That's her doing their tour. And the next one uh, over um, is that's us praying for uh, the National Guard military personnel. Now again, you should have seen these guys lining up. Uh, the commander spoke with us for a little bit. He explained what was going on and what the situation was. And we just asked if we could pray. And they were bawling. They were just... Uh, you could feel that there's tension, stress, uh, all that you, that you can experience when you trying to do things that go beyond uh, what you're able to control. There was earthquakes coming left and right. And still they had to see all that, present, be in their presence, and do their job. So it was a great opportunity for us to pray with them. The next slide uh, also will, will show us a little bit of, of, of the team. Um, there's uh, Drew, I think. Uh, I cannot see him in that, in that picture. He also helped with the worship uh, part. Uh, he's he's on. Yeah. All right. There you go. I see the beard. Uh, um, he also. Uh, this is in Ponce. That's the gathering spot where they're uh, taking all the water supplies, everything that they are sending to the different churches in the area, so that the churches can take care of their people and beyond. Um, the next slide will also give us a, a picture of the camp itself. There is a worship area and, that is in the open, and it has these three crosses 
to the right of that there is another cross that is laying on the side and is inviting you to carry it and Pastora Joanne tried she couldn't lift it up and then Roz her sister and her picked it up I think they picked it up like half an inch um, but you see the, the, the view uh, uh, in the mountains in this place. It's really an inspirational uh, place. I have tons of other pictures that I would like to share with you, but obviously we, we, we're time limited. So um, I'll, I'll just continue on. There's two more slides in there for you to see. But um, I like to focus on the mission. So if you can go uh, to this slide. We see pictures, we see a place that probably none of you have seen, and is sort of exciting to know that some of us were able to be there, but you weren't, right? So it was our experience, and it's hard to convey exactly what happened. I told the, 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 the team as we were going in there, you know, it's usually a good thing to do something for others, right? Would you agree? Yeah. I think it's a great thing to do something for others. We do that here on a weekly basis. But if this is what I post to them. This week, I would challenge you to be selfish. I would challenge you to be selfish. I would challenge you to think and see and watch to see what God is doing in your life. David mentioned some of, of that as we went in there. You know, we think that we come in there and we're going to do this great work and actually this is what happened. We saw their faces. We saw their attitude. We saw their spirit. They wore it, right? Everywhere they went. The people that fed us, the people that led us, the people that were around us. And for me, as a person who lived there, coming back to the island and seeing that was really encouraging. Because there's a spirit there. There's a spirit of people that love God. And they're willing to put themselves in that position of helping others. So the question is, you know, when you have experienced immense disaster, uh, uh, having immense needs, and having us coming alongside, we visit this place and we touch them, we pray for them. Question to ask is, so what? So what? What does it mean? Did we catch fish? Were we fishers of people? I think that that's where we did have an experience is that we actually engaged in relationship with others and in that engagement in relationship with others we saw God we saw God alive and kicking and doing the work that he is really able to do.
So I submit to you, as we conclude this part, I know that it would take a little bit longer than expected, and I have hundreds of pictures, to, but I didn't think it was prudent to do that today. It's Super Bowl Sunday after all, right? So this is what I'd like to submit to you, that the call, the invitation to a life of following is a call to be transformed by the power of the one who calls us. And I can tell you that I was transformed by the relationships we enjoyed during our week in Puerto Rico. I was sitting there in their sanctuary on Sunday morning. And I was weeping and I didn't know why. And here I was thinking, oh, it must be because the worship service is in Spanish, right? <laughs> it's in Spanish. This is my language. You know, I can understand everything, right? But it wasn't that. Because then later I saw, and people were talking about this, that there were other people in our group that were weeping as well. And here I was saying, but why? They don't know Spanish. <laughs> they didn't know what was going on, even though there were you know, some people that were translating part of the services. But I thought that the Spirit was there. The Spirit of God was present in that place. And He was showing us things that we don't even know. That we can't even really think of. So it was those relationships. It was the people that we encountered. It was the meeting face to face with others. It was the Jesus in them that really made the difference. And that's the transformation. That transformation only happens when we are engaged in relationships. It only happens when we are engaged in relationships. I truly believe that everything that we do, that all the outreach that we do, all the work that we do, would mean absolutely nothing if it's not because of the people that we touch, the people we engage with, and even seeing all the hard stuff that other people have to deal with on the streets in their lives. That's what is transforming. So Jesus called disciples and they responded and they followed. They didn't sit in a pew and become a church. Rather, they walked. They went to Galilee. Where Jesus, yeah, Jesus reached, taught, and served. He did that too. <laughs> And he shared the gospel for, with everyone. So, I think that as a congregation, we're called to mission. Not to catch fish. Not to catch people. But to be in relationship with others. And really announce the kingdom of God in the process. Amen. Amen. So, I would like to sing this song.